phone app or something like that. Uh, the reason I say that is because not all the scripture is going to be up here on your slides today. Well, I made the decision that today would be the last day of this series that we've been in. I wanted to carry on the series in some ways. I wanted to even give an extra week to the Apostle Paul when Jesus called his name, like we talked about last week. But today's the final day for when Jesus calls my name. And I've just simply entitled it Final Call. Have you ever been waiting to hear your name called from a list? Maybe you recall when you were in high school and you tried out for some team, whether it was a drama team, a theater production, maybe it was a cheer squad, whatever it may be, and the decision was going to be made by the coach, by the director, and they were going to post the names on some wall somewhere at a certain time. And usually they would post the names on Friday at 5 p.m. so they could take off for the weekend and not have to get calls from people who were not on the list. And you would walk up there and you would scan the list and you would look for what? Your name. And you would keep looking and you would keep looking. And maybe you found your name and you go, Woohoo! I made the team! Or I can't believe I got that part. Or maybe you walked up to the list and you kept looking and looking and you got all the way down and your name wasn't there and you went, oh, I must have missed it. And you go up and you look through the name again, uh, the list again and it's not there. And you look through it and, and it dawns on you that you didn't make it. I had one of those experiences when I was a freshman in college. Because when I was in high school, basketball was a big deal to me. It was sort of my community. I thought I was pretty decent. I didn't have the best shooting uh, average. I wasn't the most tremendous personal defense, but I knew how to run the team and coordinate things as sort of like the lead guard person. Even though I was 6'3 at the time, I'm 6'2 now. You know how you shrink everything. And so you're like, okay. I'm going to try out for the college team. Yeah, they didn't really have scholarships. This was a small liberal arts school. I thought I could make it was local, that kind of deal. I mean, there were some really good guys. And we had all the preconditioning, that kind of thing. And it got up to the very end. And I should sort of count the people. I knew who the starting people were, who the next tier of people were, how many people they were going to keep on the team. And I count down. I said, you know, it's down to me and Arlen. And I remember finding out that it wasn't Carrie that made the team. It was Harlan. Wow. You talk about changing the trajectory of someone's life. I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? I thought I'd be on the team. That's just too bad. I never got enough chances. They never put me into enough practices to see what I could do. Or It's really game time. And you go through all the reasons why you weren't on the list. But you couldn't change it. Your name wasn't on the list. There's a list that everyone in this room can be on. But a lot of people don't acknowledge that that list is the most important list you could ever have your name on. And that is the list 
of those who Jesus Christ on the final day will say, welcome in, my good and faithful servants. It's the list for eternity. And you go, yeah, I've heard that before. I thought, I don't know. Is that what you're talking on today? Yeah. You see, when Jesus calls my name, has to do with the things that we've looked at in these weeks. When Jesus called Mary, when he was raised from the grave, and the intimacy that was in that calling, we are called by Jesus, and we are called to Jesus. It was the specialness of when Jesus called Zacchaeus to come out of the tree, because I'm going to your house today, sinner. Oh, why is Jesus going to his house? Because Jesus loves all people, no matter what. It's Jesus when he called out, Martha, Martha, chill out. You're way too busy. Mary, your sister, is the one who's spending time with me. God would say, I miss my time with you. Or when Jesus called Peter, really, and the other disciples out right before the cross, and he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked permission, if you will, for me to sift you, that you would be sifted, that you'd be challenged to see if your faith would hold. And Jesus gave that permission for Satan to, to challenge the disciples if they really had that kind of faith. Simon, Simon, sometimes it's not only that we're called by Jesus and called to Jesus and we're called to obey and we're called to community, rich community beginning with Him, but we're called to service and we're called to suffering even. Or last week with the Apostle Paul, who was named Saul and he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians because he thought that they were coming up with this way that was really a cult. And they weren't the pure people of faith. And so Jesus stopped him dead in his tracks, appeared to him, blinded him. And Saul said, who are you? And he says, Jesus, who am I, whom you are persecuting? Why are you persecuting me? Because God had a calling on Saul, on Paul's life for him to be a witness. And so we are also called to a witness and called to a mission. But I want to say this morning that At the forefront, not at the least, at the forefront is a longing of Jesus Christ who lives today for you to be on the list for Him to be with you through eternity. Is your name on the final call list? Maybe you've been in airports before, you know, you're trying to get a plane ride. You're on the... uh, what do they call that? The standby list. And you see it on the screen or things. They start calling out names. So-and-so, come. You're on. You're on. And you see that maybe you're going to make the standby list, and it's cut off. There's nothing you can do. You can walk up there and say, let me go down the jetway. I'm getting on that plane. No, sir, you're not. You're seated right over there, and we'll try to make arrangements for you. He didn't make the cut. I don't know about you, but and maybe it was some youth pastor like Joe in my early days that sort of threw it out, but 
I, I have this angst in my life as I interact with people and I love people. And even as I stand before you today, that there's going to come a final day when, when I'm standing to say, Lord, is my name on the list to be able to come into eternity? And, and that's a new heaven and it's a new earth. It's an incredible epic of, of restoration, renewal and, and uh, the new Jerusalem, but also a new earth. And I, you, we can't even comprehend what eternity is like. It's not sitting on a cloud with a heart, friends. It's incredible things. But I'm standing there waiting on the other side of passing from this life or when the Lord comes again. And I I rejoice because I know my name's on the list. But then I have somebody behind me tap me on the shoulder and say to me, Carrie, why didn't you tell me about this? How how do I get on that list? I don't want to be stuck out here waiting. I want to go down the jetway. I want to go on this ride of eternity. What do you mean? I'm not on the list. How do I get on the list? I want to share with you fresh and new as we close today how to make sure that you are on the list. But to understand that Jesus is calling all of our names now in this day and age to rest assured that we will be with Him through eternity. And it's up to you to make sure that you're on the list. He's not going to force you on the list. He doesn't want people in eternity that don't want to be there worshiping Him, living for Him, serving in the eons of time with Him. But He's made the provision for you to be on the list. Because you see, you can't go through the jetway into eternity without being perfect. And there's not one of us in this room that are perfect in and of ourselves. We're all sinners. But Jesus... And that's what we sung about, come to the altar, the forgiveness from Him. What He did in dying on the cross and being raised from the grave, He made the provision by which you and I can receive His perfectness in our life so that when we're standing in the line and they got the list, they don't see Carrie Bowman in his own righteousness. It's Carrie Bowman has the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Come on in. You see, there's, there's a transference that needs to happen in your life to get on that list. And that is Christ's perfectness, His power, His purity, His essence needs to dwell within you. And so when you're standing in that line for that list, it's like, oh, I see Jesus. Come on in. Come on in. The last story we're going to look at is the story of Lazarus. And you may be familiar with this story. We're going to walk through it. That's why I hope you have your scriptures. But it says this in John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this is the same Mary and Martha we talked about a few weeks ago when he said, Martha, Martha. It was the two sisters and the brother, Lazarus. He's very close to them in a city called Bethany, which was outside Jerusalem, and he would stop in. And so they had the ability to be able to be in touch with Jesus, even though they didn't have texting back then. Somehow, I don't know if there's messengers or whatever, they stayed close. And so there was word that was sent concerning Lazarus. And so we pick it back up with verse 4, if you've got your scriptures. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. Notice for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said to him, A short while ago the Jews were there and they tried to stone you. And yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by God this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. He was referencing there just that he had this period of time where his work was at hand and they needed to be a part of it. And he knew what he was going to be doing with Lazarus, but it didn't seem like a smart idea. Jesus! Lazarus is sick and to the point of death. Come! He says, I don't know. i to hang out for a couple days. What are you doing hanging out for a couple days, Jesus? Isn't he your close, good friend? What's going on? But Jesus had in mind the miracle that he was going to do. So verse 11 says this. After he said this, he went to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I don't know what you think about Thomas, doubting Thomas. He's only mentioned a few places, but here is he being sarcastic. All right, you want to go back to Jerusalem? We just came from there. There were people that wanted to arrest you. There were rumors that there were people going to try to kill you. You want to go back there? You're going to get stoned. He said, I'm going back. And so Thomas didn't really mean like, all right, let's just all go die. I don't know what he really meant. Maybe there was some sarcasm in it. Maybe it was a devoted follower of Jesus. He says, let's go with him. But in that moment, Jesus told his disciples that he was headed back to deal with Lazarus, who was not just merely sick, but that Lazarus had died. Now, what are you going to do when you show up at a dead person's house other than be with them and grieve with them? Lord Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now that even but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. That you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who came into the world. I believe. 
Now this passage here, I believe, is one of the most powerful, potent passages. You need to have it memorized, carry it with you, be a part of your life. Here's Jesus in a very typical situation in many ways. We're facing death. A loved one has passed away. Maybe somebody is sickened to death. And Jesus comes in his full confidence and knowing who he is as God himself. And he simply says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever then, by believing in me, they will never die. Do you believe this? I know of people that have been on their suicide beds. And this verse has come to keep them from despair. Because... Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, basically. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will live. You will not live a life of despair and struggle. There may be challenges and the pains of this world, yes. But Jesus came to give life. And that's what's happening here. As he speaks forth his articulation of what was going to happen. Yes, he was referencing to um, Martha the idea of the future resurrection of people, but in this particular moment, he was going to foreshadow that resurrection by dealing with Lazarus and his death. It goes on and says this, verse 28. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to where Lazarus had been laid to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he have, if he could have opened the eyes of the blind man, could he not have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave, a stone laid across of the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Now, four days is significant. Oftentimes they said uh, that the soul would just hang around for a couple days. Four days, is dead, you know, in the stench. I'm not a part of that world. We have uh, the Englands here run their mortuary. I'm sure they'll tell you that if a body's not dealt with in four days, that we got problems here. Jesus, what are you doing? He's been dead for four days. The smell. There were mourners in from all over the place. It was a, a closer kind of community family feel. And so there would be people from other neighboring towns and people would come and they'd mourn for seven days. They're in the middle of this whole mourning process. People are gathered around. Lazarus, the loved one of Jesus, he had died. Jesus was too late. We don't know why, but now he's here and he's weeping with us. He feels for us as well. Jesus, why are you going to the tomb? And, and for goodness sakes, why are you saying to take the stone away? Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you will see the glory of God? There's that word believe again. 
Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always heard me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come forth! It says loud voice. Sorry. Got the air conditioner on. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't like, hey, psst, Lazarus, come on. Let's get going. Come on. We got to go. Car's running. No. He shouted. I was just talking to Greg Anglin about this in the back before service. The whole idea of them using the name, they say, is because if they used just the simple, hey, come forth, everybody would have started coming out of the graves. <laughs> Jesus called him by name, Lazarus, come out by name. He knew him. He was a loved one of his as a friend. He had grieved. And in this moment, Jesus himself had the power to raise someone from the dead. And that's exactly what he did. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. So he had been wrapped. His legs, his, his appendages, I doubt if he was wrapped together like a mummy, but somehow, can you picture Jesus raising Lazarus, saying, come out, the stone had been rolled away, and he comes walking out, and all these people, they're gasp. What? Jesus said, take off the grave clothes. Let him go. And in that moment, Jesus foreshadowed the future resurrection of all people. He would later be raised from the dead out of his own power, which is even more incredible. But scriptures speak of the resurrection of all people. And the resurrection of those who are in Christ, whose names are on the list. Jesus will say, come on, let him go. We're heading down the jetway. We have eternity. Is your name on the list? Lazarus, come forth. I pause right here to just say, do you really believe people rise from the dead? Come on. Great story in Scripture. You can really preach on that one, Carrie. But friends, this will happen. And it even happens today. I want to watch just a quick clip of Evelyn Mangum a retired Alliance missionary. Her parents were missionaries. In the Middle East, she was a missionary long-term in Vietnam. Typhoid, paratyphoid. I was terribly, terribly sick. Mother and Daddy threw me in the car, and they rushed to Beirut because there was an American hospital there. But by the time I got to Beirut, uh, I was gone. And so seven doctors... American doctors all examined me because there weren't many American kids in there. And uh, they said, well, we're very sorry. 
and they put me on a gurney and put a sheet over me to take me to the morgue. And Daddy said, don't, don't take her tonight. You can have her in the morning, but we're going to pray all night, and we'll see what God will do. If he can use her, uh, he'll bring her back. So I, I don't remember that part, but I do remember waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning and throwing that sheet off, sitting up straight and saying, yeah, I want some ice cream. And they almost fainted. And God surprised them big time. I was beautifully healed and I have been the most healthy. And at 93, there aren't many people that are more healthy than I. But God has, it's all the Lord. It's nothing I've done and not my heritage, but God has been so faithful, not just during that time. She goes on in another article and embellishes just a little bit. All my life this has been the truth that God has shown his great love for his servants. Daddy wasn't happy in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, or Beersheba. That was big time. He wanted to be at the end of the line. So that's where we were, always were. We lived in Ma'an, in what was then Transjordan under the British mandate. Early one Sunday morning when I was seven years old, mother and daddy realized that I was seriously ill with parathyroid fever. We were on vacation in the Shimlon Mountains of Lebanon with no medical facilities. They called Louis Fritz, a registered nurse who happened to be in the area, to watch over me as they dashed out to plead for prayer. They knew the churches would be having Sunday morning services, so they split up and, and they entered every church, interrupting the service and asking people to stand with them in prayer for healing. Just like we stood and prayed for one another for the needs that are represented in this room today. While they were gone, it appeared that I had slipped away. Mrs. Fritz laid on top of me just like Elisha and the Shumanite boy, her hands on my hands, her feet on my feet, and her head on my head, and begged God to let me live until my parents returned. When Daddy and Mother came back, they rushed me down the mountain to the American Hospital in Beirut. Dear Mr. Brooks, now a fellow missionary and prayer warrior, was with them. They were too late. My tongue was stiff and my pupils were fixed and dilated. The doctors, and she'd said in that clip, seven doctors pronounced me dead to make sure they cut my foot and my arm and saw that there was no blood flow. The doctors and nurses wanted to remove my body, but Daddy insisted they leave me in the room. We would like to pray for her all night, and if God decides to not raise her from the dead, you may take her in the morning. So Daddy, Mother, and Mr. Brooks prayed through the night. Early Monday morning, I threw back the sheet that was covering my face and set up in the bed. God had answered in a miraculous way. I don't know if you've ever heard testimonies of that. We're not talking, you know, oh, they just faded out and you know, saw the light, and then they came back powerful testimony there but Jesus to him it was not a big deal do you have a talent that it's easy for you to do but for other people they couldn't even come close to doing it well this isn't a talent of Jesus he just has the power to do it he can raise the dead and he raised Lazarus from the grave he himself was raised after three days of being in the grave and his scriptures tell that there is going to be a resurrection of all people it's appointed to man once to die and after that the judgment scripture teaches, but that judgment is on the heels of the resurrection. And Jesus has a plan into the future. And that plan into the future includes you. Some will be resurrected unto eternal life with Christ. 
because they have his righteousness. Others will be resurrected unto an eternal damnation or a separation from Christ. Well, that's awful mean. Isn't that cruel? You want to talk about hell now, Carrie? Well, friends, you just need to know this. Hell's described in all kinds of very dark, hideous, and, 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 and fiery kind of ways in Scripture. But hell is merely people choosing to do what they wanted to do in this life. If you want to live separate from Christ, separate from God, then God says, have eternity your way. You're living separate unto me. It's a separation. It's interesting. There's the, the story of the other Lazarus who cried out from the grave that Jesus would help him and he wanted to cross over the other side to tell and warn people. He said, no, I won't allow that. Have you secured your eternity? Are you on the list? I mentioned last week that I had the opportunity Memorial Day weekend to go with my mom. And in this one picture is also one of my brothers and my sister. And we went to the gravesite of where my dad was. And then I took my mom to the gravesite of where her parents were. And I was looking around all the tombs and the names on the tombs. And, and we were interacting with my mom, who's 89 years old. And is it hard to come to cemeteries and even see a tombstone that has your name on it? She says, no, not really. Because I was taught and I've learned and I believe that, Carrie, we are standing on resurrection ground. Resurrection ground, it says this in 1 Thessalonians 4, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a mighty shout and with the soul-stirring cry of the archangel and the great trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ, the believers who are dead, will be the first to rise to meet the Lord. Then we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up with them in the clouds. And so shall we remain with the Lord forever. A powerful truth about the second coming of Christ and the resurrection of all people. Indeed, it's resurrection ground. Some of you know some old hymns. You ever hear this hymn? I asked Joe before service. He didn't quite recall it. (laughs) I grew up sitting in churches. We'd sing hymns a lot of times. The hymns would be referencing the end times. And this is one that came to my mind as I was thinking through what we're talking on today when Jesus calls the name of Lazarus to come out. The future, yes, Lazarus went ahead and he passed away, but for that eternal resurrection where all the dead in Christ will rise. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. Don't leave me standing here. When the saved of earth shall gather or on the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. There's a few of you. This is pretty easy. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise, and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. You've got it now. Come on, ready? When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Now, you sit in church as a young person or even as an older person. You sing that hymn. You have to ask yourself, 
I wonder if my name's on the list. Let us labor for the Master from the dawn till starting setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I am, uh, I got a full week ahead of me. But I'm looking forward to next weekend. Some of you know that I've been uh, working on finishing a doctorate degree, doctorate of ministry from Fuller Seminary in Pasadena for a few years. I'm done, and Saturday is graduation day. And uh, y'all come. Oh, they told us not to say that, I guess. Y'all come, you can. Lake Avenue Congregational Church in Pasadena. Actually, the hooding ceremony. I don't know what they do with that. That sounds scary. They put something on you. It was on Friday. Saturday, I get to be the old guy up there with a bunch of other young people from seminary with their master's degrees and other things. And You know, if I'm sitting there Saturday, that big old church, and they don't call my name, I'm going to be pretty upset. Right? Why am I upset? Well, because I've worked hard. I've wrote a lot of papers. I turned in a 160-page project recently. You know? Come on, I did everything you said was on the list. For me to be on that list, you better be calling my name. So you'll sit and you'll wait. And wait. But what if they don't call your name? When you're waiting... Wanting to head down the jetway into the journey of eternity, and you're not on the list. I think I better be on that list Saturday because I've worked hard. Jesus says this Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. You're not on the list. Away from me, you evildoers. That's one of the hardest sayings of Jesus in all of Scripture. Did he really mean people that had made a commitment to follow Jesus can be there on the final day and say, I never knew you? No, what he's saying here is there's the trappings of Christianity without the authentic Christ living in people. And it's going to happen all over the place. Chuck Swindoll once said that when he gets to heaven, he'll have three surprises. He'll He'll be surprised at uh, who's there. He'll be surprised at who's not there. And then he'll be surprised that he's there. When the roll is called up yonder, will you be there? The only way that you can be there is through a personal profession of faith in Jesus Christ 
not just calling Lord, Lord, and even doing great works for him. It's in the inner part of your being, as we talked about last week, genuine conversion. Have you yielded to the lordship of Jesus Christ and said, come into my life? You see, on Saturday at this graduation, I'll say, I need to be on that list because I worked hard for it. But there's none of us who can work hard for that in this life as it relates to eternity. That's why it says this. In Revelation, the one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of their person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that that name before my Father and the angels. That list, that name is not there because of anything that we have done. Ephesians 2.8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I'm going to have Joe come up, and I just want to close today by where we started at with this series on Easter. And on Easter, we walked through the ABCs of being able to invite Christ into your life so that your name is written down on the list. The first A is to admit. Admit that I'm a sinner in need of God changing me. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as the sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. To get your name on the list, it's not what you have done, it's what Christ has done, but you surrender yourself so that He's able to write your name on the list because of Him living in you. And the first step to that process is to admit that you are a sinner. You can be a big-time sinner. You can be a small-time sinner in your mind. But before God, all have sinned. No sin is allowed into his eternity. And then B is to believe. Believe in Jesus, his claims, his words, and his work. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes, there's that believe word again, in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. A, admit, B, believe, and C, confess. Confess Jesus as my Lord, raised from the dead. Romans 10, 9 says this, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Lord, Lord is a great call. But it has to be a genuine call. A genuine call of admitting that you're a sinner. Believing in Jesus, His claims, His words, and His works. And then confessing Him as your master, your leader, your savior. And that he was raised from the dead. That's how you get your name on the list that's going to be called up yonder. Will you be there? I remember doing a funeral once for a father who passed away, who had boys that were struggling and they were way far from God. And I remember being at that funeral. And the word that the dad wanted his boys to know was that there's going to be a great reunion someday for all those who are dead in Christ will rise, right? 
and gathered together in his name for eternity, whatever that incredible epic and journey is going to be about. The dad wanted his boys there, but his boys were not living for God at the time, and they were very wayward in sin. And the simple instruction was this. Boys, you be there. Are you a warefang stranger of God? And someone needs to just look at you, even if you're a church person, and say, you be there. Maybe a loved one that's gone on before. I think of my dad, my own dad this morning. He would say, you be there, Carrie, and you bring as many people with you as you can. So that's what we're doing. We're going to sing a song to close, but I want to pray before we close. Give you the opportunity in the quietness of your altar, your sanctuary, where you're at, to admit, to believe, and to confess. Will you pray with me? Lord, we acknowledge the power of your resurrection, what you did on the cross, and that through you we can have eternity. But we know it's not by what we've done. It's by your grace through faith and not by our works. And so, Lord, across this room, there's anyone who's never prayed that prayer and surrendered their life. May they repeat this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for who you are. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I repent of my sin. I turn from that way of life and I seek you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you are who you claim to be, the words and the works that you did, I believe. I may not understand it all, but I believe. And I now confess, you as my Lord, come into my life. And from this day forward, as you enable, I will choose to live for you. I believe in you, Jesus. I confess you. And I confess that you were raised from the dead. Thank you for coming into my life. Amen and amen. It's not the grandiose words. It's just the sincerity of the heart. If you prayed that prayer, welcome home. Your name is written down. And when the roll's called up yonder, you'll be there. Joe has a song for us as we close. The ushers are going to come and receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. So on the back of your connect card, if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, just make note of that. Committing my life to Christ today, I'd love to follow up with you. But let's sing with Joe as he shares.